All right, you ready? <laughs> Take two. <laughs> How are you, Zoe? <laughs> Apologies for uh, tech difficulties. We sure Mercury's not retrograde. <laughs> You know what Mercury is doing, and that's cool to mention because I didn't even mention it in our last two-hour epic episode. Mm. Um, Mercury has just emerged um, in the evening sky. It's called the Heliacal Rise in Taurus conjunct Uranus. So there's a bit of mercurial volatility well, for there you us. Go. Yes. This is <laughs> it's the not the evening sky now as we speak. It's like lunchtime on April 19th. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So this is the Turning Signals podcast uh, where we talk cultural events in an... In, I always say an. I know. It just well, feels right, just but it's go. a holistic sense. Yes, and it, or it could be analistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, we recorded for two hours like just up until a minute ago and then um, the producer realised that the mics weren't turned on. So, unfortunately for you, you have to now <laughs> listen to um, us pretending that this is spontaneous and that we haven't mentioned anything before. Um, it's funny, I was just listening to one of my usual podcast listens yesterday, um, Red Scare, and... Uh, they were saying, they were talking about how when you like stuff up your recording mm. and then you have to do another one and right. pretend that it's like spontaneous <laughs> and you're not going over ideas that, you know. Feel a bit recycled. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, let's, um, we are just on the back of the full moon. Big, yes. big bright, beautiful full moon. On Easter Sunday. Yeah. That was in Libra, you said? Yes. Yeah. So... Moon in Libra, Sun in Aries, um, the sign, the axis, Aries, Libra. So the two go together as a pair. Mm. Yeah, it was a beautiful full moon and it was um, the sun was conjunct Eris at the time and so the moon is reflecting that light from the Aries sun conjunct Eris and also square to Pluto in Capricorn. So a very potent, um, potentially transformational kind of energy going on. And I did anticipate big things and have not been disappointed. Mm. I like the um, the idea that things are illuminated under the full moon. I do too. Yeah. And I feel like it's very true. And especially when Eris is involved, it seems to have another level of that kind of exposure of shadows. And I it's suppose... Really interesting these days. Right. And that we're on the back of the Jupiter-Neptune conjunct? Yes. Um, so, yeah, well, it's still certainly engaged. Um, but, yes, Jupiter is separating from Neptune now. Mm. So, yeah, the exact point of that conjunction, which has been, you know, building all year, is now separating. And, yeah, so we tend to sort of see as the aspect separates the manifestation of those energies in the days, weeks, coming out of that 
Mm. that exact conjunction when or any aspect, whether it's a conjunction or an opposition or a square or trine or whatever. Um, yeah, we tend to see after the event more manifestations of it. And I think that's probably true in this case, hey? Mm. Yeah, well, um, there's been, you know, as as you kind of expected, I suppose, the disillusionment is yeah. kind of taking place, I yeah. feel. Yeah, I do too. I get that sense. I'm hopeful that it will be ongoing yeah. for some weeks, sure. taking us into the election. The clip that you sent to me, oh, well, it was from Fox News. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's worth mentioning. The um, the kid, kid. Are we going to call him a kid? He's a kid. <laughs> Tucker calls him a kid. Uh, he's a student. Maybe we should call him a uni student. Yeah. College. And, I mean, he's, he's contributing to, um, what did he call it, the Chicago. He's got like a... A newspaper that they're printing in Chicago yeah. and it's going online, obviously. It's yeah. Truth Seekers or something, Chicago. Yeah, I can't remember, but, but I, I know he plugged it at mm. the end of his Tucker interview. Um, we were talking in our earlier episode about <laughs> how we... Well, I'm quite new to Tucker, but um, I appreciate his perspective. Are you going to play that clip? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's worth it. disinformation uh but cnn is right up there with them they pushed the russian collusion hoax they pushed the jesse smollett hoax they smeared justice kavanaugh as a rapist and they also smeared nick salmon as a white supremacist and yes they dismissed the hunter biden laptop affair as pure russian disinformation all the mistakes of the mainstream media and cnn in particular seem to magically all go in one direction are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it i think you're describing a different channel than the one that i watch uh but i understand that that is a popular right-wing narrative about cnn (laughs) it's a popular (laughs) right-wing yeah i uh, it's that's brian stelter isn't it defending cnn I think that's his name. Yes. He works for CNN. He does indeed. But it, yeah. yeah, that's so... It's not even like cleverly handled. Oh, I and, think they were he, quite embarrassed. It's denial. Well, that, yeah, like, and it was laughable, the whole concept really, because it was like a panel of people of his kind of ilk. <laughs> yeah, from... Purveyors of information and they were talking about disinformation and the oh. age of disinformation. <laughs> well, So, yeah, it's interesting. Amazing actually because there was that young gentleman um, asking that question, but there were several questions of that ilk that I saw posed to the panel of yeah. like, what do you have to say about like your track record with this information? So I think, I mean, yeah, of course, it's not the first time that mainstream news outlets have been questioned and criticized, certainly publicly, but this is, I mean, there's a, a younger generation stepping up to do it and now there's a little bit more kind of traction, a bit more attention on yeah, it. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely, you know, obviously correlates to this Jupiter-Neptune thing and, um, yeah, they're giving voice to that mm. as, you know, young people with a voice and with courage and eloquence, they're, you know, able to stand up and give it to these guys who think that they can just pull the wool over all of our eyes yeah. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> To me, that kind of uh, this this age that we're in, this new era that we're stepping into, it really is about that 
like new powers, new yes. moves to unseat the old guard. And it's interesting because you've got, I mean, no, no one on that panel was particularly old. They're no. all essentially middle-aged, yeah. like Joe Rogan's age. But yeah. you've got someone like Joe Rogan who's at the forefront of kind of mm. new media. Yeah. Um, same generation as these like old hacks that are going to guard the same age. It is But going through yeah. like that old paradigm of like, Absolutely. no, you've got to turn on the telly for your, for your information. Yes, good which, information, ink. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very – I think it's to our benefit, isn't it, that we get to see and cringe <laughs> <laughs> like at the way that they're sort of grasping, hanging on to mm. this dying system and um, – I mean, it is disheartening to, because you want to trust these kind of established sources of information like the ABC, yeah, who have yep. been like a trusted kind of source of information all my life. You well, know, like for, for us and, and I think our parents' generation, like you really grew up with the ABC absolutely. as a reliable, balanced yeah. news source whether with, they ever really were that but certainly in the last few years you uh, know, under the stewardship of Ita Ita Buttroth yeah they've sort of lost lost any credibility from my point of view completely yeah and well, it's and very sad it is sad um but I mean you know as we were saying in our earlier recording you know they've become this kind of outlet this propaganda outlet for our federal government yes. dictates and, you know, there's there's very little critique or questioning. And not very is, long ago, there was plenty of critique of government policy and all of those kinds of things were discussed openly on the ABC. Well, I guess the ABC it, was, was set up by the government to act as what media outlets were supposed to do, yes. like as the fourth estate to yeah. hold politicians accountable ultimately yeah. for, and, and inform have, people. And public discourse. So it would respond to crucial to democracy. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah. that seems to be sorely lacking now, um, in particular at the ABC. But and I can't comment really on Fox and CNN and the rivalry between you know news media organisations like that. Yes, they all um, have vested interests. Of course they do, and of course, like organisate corporate corporate media like that, they've got, you know investors and they're all mm. sponsored by Pfizer and right various yeah. I don't actually know if they're sponsored by Pfizer I shouldn't probably say oh. that but I you know I, I saw that clip a year or so ago they brought to you by Pfizer yes, everything yeah is brought to you by Pfizer including yeah. the Oscars yeah um, yeah so I mean that erosion of trust in the ABC with Ita at the helm. And so I just wanted to mention that because um, she was born very close to a Capricorn new moon um, over which Pluto is now transiting. So um, a new moon, just to be clear, is the sun and the moon conjoined in a conjunction. Um, so that's why I say under a new moon because the moon was close to the sun at the time of her birth so yeah she's really in terms of what that means um pluto is a planet of empowerment but can also be very much about power and control and mm. you know her her way of manifesting those plutonian energies i mean she's definitely manifested emphasis on the man 
her capacity to, what did you say? Piss with the big boys. <laughs> she can sort of keep up with that kind of brutal, harsh, bottom line kind of, you know. Don't fuck with me, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You would not want to fuck with her, would you? But, um, yeah, so she's certainly proven her worth in that kind of feminist way that she and she's always sort of been like that kind of a person hey like flying the flag for feminism and working mothers and Mm. that kind of a thing and I don't want to detract from that actually I you know applaud her you know courage in a time you know the 70s and 80s in the media world she really fought tooth and nail to get where she is today yeah but now it's kind of come to this point of like her values are under under question um, and her integrity has been completely eroded along with the integrity of the ABC, yeah. and the public bo- broadcaster. It's very sad. I was going to say, like the interesting kind of light to that shadow, I suppose, is um, the rise, you know, as, as we can trust these institutions less and less, we seek alternative sources for our information for news and for opinion critique and people who have very intelligent insightful things to say and they are still around and it gives rise an opportunity to those journalists if they are that that they want to act with integrity they're not these careerist hacks that are looking for you know just towing the company line and keeping their jobs and yeah writing sycophantic pieces for mm. the Guardian that <laughs> make you want to hell. Speaking of which, do you wanna, should I talk yeah. about that? Well, just briefly. I it, mean, I probably spent I thought it was really interesting, it. though. Well, it it's is interesting, I think. And, you know, while Mark McGowan's counting case numbers and the rest of us are, I don't know what we're doing, eating chocolate, <laughs> Easter. Biting our time. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the same time... Imran Khan was ousted from his um, prime ministership of Pakistan over the weekend and um, replaced by Sharif. Um, Hang on, I've lost my... Oh, that's because I'm looking in my written handwritten notes and I actually had them on my laptop. So... It's interesting. That's it's like a political coup almost. I mean, if if that went down in Australia, for example, it would be very big news yeah it is big news it should be the fact that it isn't i mean you talk about denial hey and that is another important jupiter neptune theme which i hope we can come back to Mm. um in a few minutes but i'll just talk about um shebaz sharif um so he's the new prime minister of pakistan and he is the younger brother of a three-time of well let's say he the two brothers of a dynastic family in Pakistan. The older brother has been the PM there for three non-consecutive terms. Um, The younger brother, Shabazz, is known, quote, as a diligent administrator with such a love, a great love of poetry, that he often opens official meetings with recitals of famous revolutionary Urdu poets. So this is the Guardian article that's that you're citing? Right. That's right. So that's the opening line. Ugh. And I I mean, immediately it just smacks of propaganda, doesn't it? It's mm. like, it's you blush. It's so embarrassing. And then it goes, <laughs> it goes on. Um, so they quote the first words from the new PM. Um, it's, a, it's a poem. 
one must set himself free from all bounds of desires. What a beautiful sentiment. Pass me a bucket. Um, Yeah, (laughs) so it's fair to kind of assume that desires he means um, including but not limited to preservation of democracy. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Integrity in our institutions. Yeah, well, I mean... We should probably give a little bit more information because I didn't just jump into this expecting... I don't really know much about Pakistani politics at all. I know Imran Khan is a former cricketer who then went into politics. He was a star captain, um, very well celebrated and... um, Democratically elected. Yes, that's right. So then he has only served since 2018, not a full term, before he was given a vote of no confidence by his fellow parliamentarians um, who yeah, voted majority to, to remove him from the leadership role. But I was interested in how that happened because there was suggestion made by some. I think I saw a piece on um, Democracy Now!, where they were talking about whether this was orchestrated by the US. Mm. So I looked a bit more further afield um, and came across this Guardian article um, and, yeah, just did a bit of digging around. So as it turns out, the younger brother, the younger Sharif, um, who's now the PM, he is supposedly the more pragmatic of the two brothers of this um, Pakistani family and he's known for implementing policy and ambitious development agenda for Punjab, which is the region um, that their family has hailed from for generations and sort of, you know, been very politically involved for a long time. It The article does go on to say, sort of right at the end, quote, with Sharif in power, there is likely to be a shift in foreign policy, particularly away from Khan's vehement and often confrontational anti-Western rhetoric that had left Pakistan's Diplomatic relations with the US and Europe in tatters. Yeah, so I'm not... Opinion piece. <laughs> well, yeah, at best I get... Yeah, it's like, it's total propaganda, isn't it? It's yeah. like, it's it's appalling. It's certainly not balanced, although at least that that sentence was included just to give some indication as to what we might be dealing with here in terms of the new Prime Minister's orientation towards... The hegemonic powers, the mm. power that exists. Conflict mm. with India, loyalty to Western forces. Yes, which Imran Khan was quite opposed to mm. and wanted for. He was, I believe, he sort of was a nationalist, I think is what he identified as. Mm. Um, so he was very but much about Pakistani sovereignty. But also yeah. a, a respect for India. He- well, yeah, that was an interesting thing that I did read was that he grew up as many, you know, there's the rivalry between Pakistan and India, obviously, and he grew up hating Pakistan, uh, sorry, Indians or India, I should say. But then as a result of his life experience, developed a love for India and mm. Indian people and was much more moderate in his views about, you know, those Sharing a border. Yeah, that's right. So I I just, I'm not, and I'm probably like propagandizing him as a response to what I read 
<laughs> but um, and I don't know enough to really comment about it in any depth. But I just wanted to bring it to our listenership's attention because it was something interesting that happened that is not getting much publicity, as is another very important situation in the world being mm. Assange. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about Julian Assange? Is it um, yeah. Time well, to I go guess there? I guess I. That's probably all I needed to say about the Pakistan thing. There's not much more to say at this point. Um, but yeah, uh, tomorrow Julian Assange is to be given the extradition order um, to go to the US to face espionage charges. So he has been in solitary confinement in Belmarsh Prison, maximum security since 2020, basically confined to his cell for almost 23 hours a day. Yes, and is about to come to, well, not quite judgment day, but getting closer to extradition. It's a dark day (laughs) and, and it's very... Uh, in in one sense, it's to be expected, but it's also so disappointing that it is receiving absolutely no coverage, especially when we're leading into an election and it should be a matter of policy announcement I agree. as to how it's, each I mean, party will be handling this situation going forward because he should not be in solitary confinement you would think for two years. Really nor the government should he have been in exile for why have the government not responded? <laughs> it's I mean, I know why. But why are the why are the journalists not holding them to account? Well yeah, it, I mean it just shows the lack of integrity among the absolutely. journalistic kind of and it, I mean it's heartbreaking for him. I just feel so sorry for him because his fight he has been fighting the good fight for freedom of the press. That's what this is all about. You know, he founded WikiLeaks in order to allow for freedom of information. To the fourth estate, like yeah. to, to be that, that, that body that the media is supposed to be yes. at its core, and that I've, it holds politicians to account. Yes. And so via Chelsea Manning's leaking of documents onto WikiLeaks, he exposed US war crimes. Um, you know, no one could argue that. That's a fact. And so, of course, that's why they're going after him. And, of course, that's why Australia just have to be silent. But ultimately, it's <laughs> yeah. like silence is – it allows that. Yeah, read this. Like, it ties in quite well here. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I, I mean, so this morning I – was looking into, um, I suppose, disillusionment and denial. Mm. Um, so I kind of went down a bit of a rabbit hole and um, came across this this book, um, The Elephant in the Room, Silence and Denial in Every Day, written by Eviatar Zerubavel. It was published in 2006, actually. But um, So he opens each chapter with a quote. This is one that I like. It only takes one person to produce speech, but it requires the cooperation of all to produce silence. Yeah, it's such a wonderful quote. So that's Robert E. Pittenger Mm. from the first five minutes, which I'd like to get my hands on a copy of that. Mm. Um, 
And then, so I've just printed off here chapter six, which is titled, Some Things Are Better Left Unsaid. Um, opens with a quote from Everett C. Hughes uh, in Good People and Dirty Work. Uh, group members keep a silence about things whose open discussion would threaten the group's sense of solidarity. To break such a silence is considered an attack against the group, a sort of treason. So I suppose the, the kind of charge at a philosophical level against Julian Assange is treason, right? But he's not a... He's not a U.S. citizen. That's right. I don't think there's a law against exposing. I have war no idea. As all I know is that he's being, they're seeking to prosecute him under the Espionage Act. That's all okay. I know. I don't know anything about like specific legislation or how they'll how they'll prosecute him precisely. But um, all that remains to be seen, and hopefully it will be. Scene. I mean, it's really ramping up. It's really come to a head now, and um, that's sort of to be expected given the current astrological situation and how it relates to his chart. And then, interestingly, to look at um, Elon Musk as well, who has a very similar chart, who shares the Mars conjunct the North Node in Aquarius, and he has recently purchased a significant share in in twitter and wants to as a um free speech absolutist yes yeah. and um as well it's their chiron returns those two fellas so it's really interesting how these energies are tying into the world now and how relevant it is and how you know the situation with julian assange is so heartbreaking actually not only for him as a man and a heroic man who's sought to do something so important in the world um, and suffered the consequences and still hanging in there despite being left with means to dispose of himself reportedly (laughs) um, in that prison situation that he's now in he perseveres and um, we should be in support of that but Mm. um yeah and it's very sad for the world as well you know yeah what it's come to as a a symbol of free speech and yeah it's very we i think if you are so inclined um giving a little bit of attention and energy to this situation and offering prayers and you know whatever you kind of can to give this a bit of airtime in your life and in your sphere of influence because um, it's it really is important and what happens in the coming weeks is is very and months no doubt I'm sure it will drag on um, a lot longer yet but it it's at a very important turning point now so mm. yeah just want to shout out to that and shout out to him and shout out to journalists with integrity whoever they are um, they do exist there's as we were talking about there's um, many good journalists and writers out there in the world now and they have come to their time in the world thanks to the crumbling of mainstream media and the you know corporate media and how corrupt it's all become we now people who are looking for real information a variety of perspectives that aren't you know, don't have vested interests just from people with integrity who can source really good information and talk to different kinds of people and all of that 
those kinds of journalists should be supported and applauded and they are out there on Substack and places like that. Um, Chris Hedges is one who's been so, so supportive of Assange over the years, as Who? is Max Blumenthal. Woman that oh, is. Caitlin Johnston. Caitlin, Caitlin yeah. Johnston. Yeah, she's great. Um, and there are many like her all over Substack. A couple but- of quotes um, from her Substack, actually, on Julian Assange. If it seems a bit hypocritical to you that the Empire is blasting us in the face all day with narratives alleging Russian war crimes, while that same Empire is imprisoning a journalist for exposing its war crimes, that's because it absolutely is hypocritical. Beautiful. Indeed. If, so. if something looks wrong about the fact that we're about to watch a judge sign off on Julian Assange's extradition to the United States for practicing journalism, while that same United States keeps pushing out narratives about the need to protect Ukraine's freedom and democracy, that's because it should. <laughs> Look wrong. That's right. Yeah. She's, she's fun. She's great. And um, she is um, receiving some attention, I believe. She sort of has been noticed by um, people connected to Hillary Clinton <laughs> and stuff on Twitter. I know. Run away. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but yeah, also to I just want to mention Max Blumenthal, um, who has been such a staunch, staunch advocate for Assange, and his website is the Grey Zone, um, and he, yeah, is definitely in there trying to illuminate what's very very dark, and he is an American, and he also just briefly I won't talk about this for too long, but he was interviewed yesterday on um, Robert. Kennedy Jr.'s podcast um, about the situation in Ukraine and his depth of understanding of that subject is very, very interesting. Um, It's worth listening to. It's less than an hour. Mm. Yeah. So he's an amazing journalist. So we want to celebrate good journalists. (laughs) Do you want to – shall we just have another look? quickly before we move on at this elephant in the room yeah and Um, because it ties in as well to the saturn square the nodes mm -hmm. so go from there to saturn square the nodes if you like yeah okay sure um yeah so from the elephant in the room here um, chapter six part of the reason we resent silence breakers is that by defying the conventional figure ground configurations that most of us take for granted They disturb our cognitive tranquility. Even more importantly, they try to force us to acknowledge things we specifically choose to ignore to avoid getting hurt or upset. People often get upset when confronted with information challenging their self-delusional view of the world around them. Many, indeed, prefer such delusions to painful realities and thus cherish one's, quote, right to be an ostrich. Effectively contending that Ignorance is bliss, and that, to paraphrase John Lennon, living is easier with eyes closed. They essentially claim that what you don't know won't hurt you. It's wonderful. I wish I'd written it. I love it. it it's just so much of what I've been thinking about in the last year, that, and it's just so beautifully articulated. Mm. I'll just I've got this one more paragraph here. Um, so he quotes uh, the poet Cheslaw Milos. Um, who noted in his Nobel Prize acceptance speech, in a room where people unanimously maintain a conspiracy of silence, 
One word of truth sounds like a pistol shot. To break such a conspiracy is to breach some implicit social contract. And groups indeed treat those who violate their norms of attention and discourse just as they do any other social deviants who defy their authority and disregard their rules. I think it's poignant that the use of social deviants with mm. like if thinking of Julian Assange, he was framed as a deviant. Yes. So with being accused of like sexual assault, mm. that even rape. I mean, they use the word rape. Right. So and which none of that was actually he was never charged, no. right? And but he it, denies it. He says it was consensual, that relationship. But it, it's enough to kind oh. of put him for... So, you know, there's so many people who would be offside. It and, takes and nothing it, to tarnish. It labels him as a deviant. Mm, that's right. Um, yeah, he's, and I remember that footage of him dancing. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> no. There was like someone had like like phone footage of him like in the, in the club like <laughs> dancing up against women and he was really like cutting a rug <laughs> but it wasn't like it wasn't a particularly busy club so he kind of looked like a bit of a creep drunken creep a bit and I mean that in you know oh, this is the man who is a, a serial sexual assaulter like it's you know we can't trust him with our democracy oh, yeah. so I mean and then it just he just kind of gets I don't know Labelled. Yeah. And, and it dismissed, dismissed because just out of that, I mean, it's a smear campaign, isn't yeah. it? And it, we all know, not none more so than Will Smith, how quick <laughs> it can be to tarnish one's reputation. And, you know, it's done. One slap and it's done. And well, it's I'm not like, so <laughs> sure Assange slapped anyone, though. <laughs> Sorry, I should <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I shouldn't relate the two at all. It's a very, very different thing. But it just made I had Will Smith in my head because this part of the quote about it's like a gunshot, mm. um, a pistol shot. Yeah. So one word of truth sounds like a pistol shot in a room where people unanimously maintain a conspiracy of silence, like the Oscars, right? Mm. Like where every all this unspoken bullshit. Mm. It you know. Everybody there is complicit in by, through their silence. Mm. And then, I mean, not to say that Will Smith was doing anything other than trying to please his wife in do, taking that action. So it's not like it was an amazing political and, you know, righteous action such as Julian Assange has executed in his time. I hope I don't live to regret that word. Um he, but yeah, no, it's like the the silence of this pretending yes. of that everything's fine. That's right, and, and, and the that. slap that was heard around the world was like that pistol shot of like calling bullshit mm. on the whole thing, which was what I really liked about it mm. was that it was like an injection of darkness, shadow. Mm. You know, like you can't keep a lid on this anymore. And I think Russell Brand referred to that mm. that it was like the cracks are showing in yeah. the whole thing. It's so true. Yeah. So that's what I liked about and it. And when you read that quote, it reminded me of that. So that was where that came from to compare those two people, which you can't really compare. But <laughs> we know how quick it can be is the point to tarnish one's reputation just through simply, you know, it takes one kind of... Through getting drunk in a nightclub. And, and someone then. took a video <laughs> and then like some jilted ex is like willing to tarnish your name. 
and then that is enough to kind of leave you locked in a hole for years and before that in an embassy for, <laughs> yeah, sleeping on the floor or whatever he was doing in there. So what um, what were you going to say about that? Okay, so, yeah, it just this whole idea articulated so beautifully in this the parts that you read out of this amazing book about the elephant in the room well it it ties in really well with Jupiter Neptune but it also ties in um with the Saturn square to the nodes so Saturn is in Aquarius has been in Aquarius um since 2020 with a brief a few months back in Capricorn um remains in Aquarius until March next year Um, throughout this year we've sort of been living through this experience of Saturn square to the nodes which has got to do a lot I've been thinking about how it relates so much to our capacity and willingness to face the fear of exile from the group Mm. Um, and you know it's it's very understandable to the way that people like reject ideas that rock their boat Mm -hmm. and prefer silence and you know it's difficult for journalists to speak truth in an environment that is trying to remain silent about so many acts of injustice and you know hypocrisy Mm. and Mm. corruption and and the fact that everyone's complicit in it makes it obviously so much harder it you know to be the one to speak out it takes a lot of courage and it takes a willingness to face that fear of being an exile, similar to, you know, the decision to um, not be vaccinated and come out about that. Mm. For me, that was my personal um, experience of that. I mean, I have a south node in Aquarius, so I sort of have an, an, a reasonable experience of um, feeling like a bit of an outsider as it is, but Aquarius does relate to that, archetype of the outsider the exile the revolutionary the rebel the genius um, all of which can be seen in Julian Assange and Elon Musk Mm. who share this chart similarity so I'm trying to I did mention Elon Musk didn't I in this episode (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) I I, it's funny I just came across Elon in my notes as well yeah right Um, so yeah I mean people are divided on he's a divisive kind of figure isn't he he's like a bit controversial yeah and his action you know it remains to be seen what it will mean his you know decree that he is (laughs) a free speech absolutist Mm. um as is julian assange he didn't call himself that but by his actions he has demonstrated that he is that um and that they share this interesting chart chart similarities i was thinking uh, over the weekend just gone i was speaking with someone about um you know free speech and all the talk about that elon musk being a proponent and you've got these um leftists who are you know they're kind of fearful of they call elon musk like a transphobe right i'm not sure that there's you know any actual evidence for that um it's funny because he's like a transhumanist (laughs) so Something that came across um, this conversation I was having was I remember maybe 10 years ago when like Twitter was kind of kicking off and I think that 
the idea of protecting speech because this person who I was speaking with mentioned, yeah, well, if you have free speech, then you get hate speech. Yes. And they kind of said it in a way that was like, that's what you get. And that's, that's why we need to censor, censor. which is something that I, I haven't heard the term hate speech for a long time. Mm. I certainly haven't considered it for a while. Mm. And I, I guess that, you know, it was, again, as we talked about in previous episodes, that like protection, that kind of coddling mm. of people who are kind of vulnerable, I suppose, probably place themselves as vulnerable more than anything. But if you have... If you have free speech, well, then you've got this opportunity for like hate and bullying to kind Certainly. of take place. And that is an absolute issue with online platforms of all kinds, isn't it? And I mean, I had that, I've had that conversation recently too, where I was accused of being um, defending the rights of people to hurt each other. And mm. I, you know, I was, you know, that's obviously a statement or an accusation that makes me feel uneasy because I don't. I don't think of it that way, mm. but it, I had to think deeply about that and really face that because in a similar way to the vaccine issue, it's like you need you need to be real about what it is that you are, what it is that you're advocating for. And so to advocate free speech or to elevate free speech, let's say, above all other virtues is as dangerous as to the elevation of any other virtue. Mm, it's like, yeah. you know, you erode so much by elevating it one thing. Yeah. So you That's elevate, yeah, you elevate safety is what's happened in the last <laughs> recent years, especially through COVID. Mm. I mean, because of the elevation of people feeling safe and correlating um, like an experience of emotional discomfort to a they're endangered mm. like they feel unsafe yeah and then that kind of cultural norm through the that safetyism kind of view then like pervaded policy mm. and you know through covid and so it really like created this perfect storm situation yeah. where like well so i suppose there's opportunity for erosion of more rights Absolutely. Under the guide, and especially if people are genuinely concerned about safety. Yes. Then, well, if you have of, a united like enemy mm, in the face of COVID or free speech, well, that's <laughs> right, exactly. And that's why it's so important to look at the virtue that we are, or the principle, or the idea, or the ideology that we are elevating above all others. And Nietzsche was so good at mm. understanding that. And, you know, he even argued against compassion as not being. You know, like all virtues, you need a multitude of virtues, I think is his point. And I think that's so healthy, you know. So you have to be careful about what it is you're arguing for because, yes, free speech is absolutely important. But to elevate it to the point of everything, you know, being the apex on the pyramid, it does erode other things like safety perhaps but we have to manage it that doesn't mean you cancel it can be managed oh my god you don't just get rid of social media which was the point of the person who accused me of where it's come to i you know as as i was saying in our last recording like you can you can let the ideas stand on their merits. Mm. Let let there Absolutely. be debate, like, yes. and let that be the mechanism that polices. And don't but enable. hate speech. Hate mm. speech is not free speech. No. You can police Absolutely. hate speech yes, as a separate yes. thing. It, yes. But yeah, I guess there what's happened is they've just kind of wedged it in there with this thin end of like we need to protect people. Mm. 
then you've got um, proper censorship yes. of ideas. Yes. And uh, yeah, so it have cr- you? Sorry, have you read Nature? Some, yes. Okay. I've read um, almost all of Beyond Good and Evil, and yeah, that's um, what I'm reading at the moment. Zarathustra. He's such a shitster. Yeah, he is a shitster. He's like a yeah. cheeky young man. He's like um. What's the word? Like a contrarian. Yeah. Right and that's With his what tongue I love like about. firmly in his cheek. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he, yeah, he was like definitely, I don't know, having a drink or something while he was writing that stuff, <laughs> you know. It's really, and laughing. It's it's fun to read. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, even though it's, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like reading Beyond Good and Evil, it's very, it, it doesn't, I don't get a breadth of kind of, application from it you know who I, I learned a lot about Nietzsche from was Stephen West okay yeah yeah man I, I love love Stephen West's yeah. podcast <laughs> so yeah that's a good place to go if you want to learn philosophy absolutely philosophize this it's brilliant shout out yeah <laughs> um should we can we talk about the Ollie Wines controversy. Oh, yes. I can't remember where that fit in our last episode, but yes, we should talk about that. Oh, can I actually, but just before we do, I just wanted to go back to quickly just to mention for a little added context with the Pakistan thing. Oh, what was it? So Sharif has been um, on bail. Like he's on bail, as I understand it. Um, He's been charged and jailed for money laundering and corruption since 2020. Sharif is the new, the incumbent prime minister. Yes. So um, Imran Khan had introduced new legislation to um, kind of reduce the corruption in Pakistan and Sharif was prosecuted, well, not prosecuted, charged under those new laws, mm. but has been bailed out and is now the prime minister. So, yeah, I just wanted to <laughs> add, so is his brother's got a long, like he also has been jailed. There's like a long history of that within their family, that corruption, money laundering. Corruption slash dynasty. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, it's just interesting. And, who you know, they that kind of stuff is policed by a group called the Financial Action Task Force who sort of work with the IMF Mm. and Imran Khan was kind of negotiating with them over his president, uh, prime ministership Mm. um, to get money to, as little money as he could manage it, um, to bail out Pakistan from their various economic troubles but he was trying to avoid too much contact with the IMF for reasons that have now been made clear for the US you know he and he wanted to distance himself from the US but yeah these sharifs are um more flexible when it comes to <laughs> <laughs> their like ways of um yeah I just wanted to mention that sorry I I to go backwards but I didn't I said it last time and it sort of is important in in that picture for okay. people to think about if they want to think about sure no idea Pakistan. how i'll edit that in but don't edit fine. it in just okay. leave it or sure. cut it out completely oh sure no no it's fine sorry that was a joke <coughs> so ollie wines going off the ground um in a recent football match it was not the round just gone i think it was round five a couple of weeks ago so he's a 27 year old brownlow medalist um got the brownlow medal last year so he's in pretty like peak physical condition Mm. 
<laughs> I guess you could say, after the first quarter, so 27 minutes in to the match, um, he left the ground suffering dizziness and nausea. And then the club confirmed later that he had suffered heart palpitations. And then, yeah, there was some interesting kind of fallout um, in discussions after the match, of which I have here. On Thursday night, for nausea slash heart reasons, he spent time in hospital. And, yeah, it's just a, it's a big unknown as to, as to when he will play again. It may be as soon as this week, but nothing coming out of the club. There's a lot of this going on in world sport at the moment. Well, in the world. World sport? Yeah, I, I think a lot of athletes have got these issues. And are you, Brownie, referring to the booster shots oh, and the booster shots? That's obviously yeah. um, the word going around. Look, it's, it's been discussed. I haven't been able to get an official line on that from anyone attached to, to Ollie Wines at this stage. But, yeah, the question has been asked and put to me and, and others, including yourself, uh, by a lot of people about but a possibility of that. But it's not, it's not just the heart issues. I mean, like, you know, without delving into your private affairs, um, you know, you've got Bell's yeah. palsy at the moment, which hopefully yeah. you're on the back yeah. end of that. But there's a bit of that going around as well. Yeah, exactly. It's got heart issues and Bell's palsy has gone through the roof uh, since the, the boosters and, and COVID issues. So, no doubt. And we had Michael. Angelo Rucci on AW on Friday night and he said that Wines is it's, it's a field, there's a ward filled with people with similar symptoms in Adelaide to Ollie Wines, so nausea, heart issues, so there has to be something more to it. Yeah, we're, and, and just, we're not anti-vaxxers. So, what do you reckon about that? That was taken from um, actually an American, obviously that was broadcast in Australia, but mm. I got, the, the source for that mm. was an American source. Right. That clip you just played. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so interesting, isn't it? And I know you mentioned in our take one of this that the – who was it? The president of the AFL? Gillen McLaughlin. Yeah. yeah. Has so recently resigned. He's just – yeah, he's announced his retirement or his resignation this week. Yeah. And that there's been a bit of backlash around that in social. Yeah. Yeah. So, as I was saying, I mean, I came across – Dad mentioned to me that um, Gillan McLaughlin had stepped down, and I just went on um, went on Facebook to kind of have a look for a story around that. Um, and the story that I clicked on was like the press conference. Mm. I think it was broadcast on Channel Nine, where he announced his resignation, and then all of the commentary following. I scrolled through about fifty comments um, <laughs> of people saying things like um, quotes. These are quotes. Running now won't save you from what's coming. Mm. Nothing to do with murdering young men by proxy. Hardcore. Mm. Uh, Get out now before the lawsuits come. Worked on racism, introduced vaxism. Young fit men in their prime with heart issues. Watch this space. So, be fair to say that Gillan McLaughlin would be probably acting quite reasonably to bail now. (laughs) Absolutely, because yeah. he well, self-preservation. That's something that he would have late, had to sign it? on, like the mandatory vaccine of yes. footballers. And what a legacy. I mean, it's quite heartbreaking the positions that people have been put in. I know nothing about him as a person, um, nor the footballer people, you know, but they are fit young men in their prime trying to do what they love and mm. um, presumably at least. And um, and provide for their families. I mean, it's just course, work, isn't it? Yeah, it's, of course. It's yes. And and not only that, but it's, I mean, sport is more than 
just a job, isn't it? Especially at that level because it, it actually provides for society some form of like connection to mm. the divine in a sense that it is... It is almost... I mean, it's tribal. It's And it's religious um, experience, transcendent. It's, you know, you connect with something bigger than yourself. Mm. And anyone who's been allowed themselves to get swept up in that way that Mm. sport does and it's a similar thing in like a live music like a festival or something like that where you where you become a part of this crowd that's so it can be so beautiful Mm. and energizing and just like transcendent is the word so and so connected yeah Yeah, and when you are (laughs) barracking for a team so that's an you know that takes it away from like the musical like you know, festival situation, but like to be united in barracking for a team and have an opposition, that's so satisfying. There's something so primal and like just raw and pure and like real and human about that. Mm. Like that, you know, to not just demonize it and dismiss it as frivolous or whatever, or like Mm. whatever people think of it, you know, is understandable. But yeah, I mean, I've had transcendent experiences the one that sticks out for me always is when i went to the mcg and it was just life-changing mm. like to go and witness like the collingwood, collingwood crowd. crowd was yeah. just yeah so <laughs> crowds aren't always bad but they are always unconscious <laughs> um and that yeah that is bad and unconscious are not the same thing as i've said before but it sort of ties into the work of Le Bon. Um, I want to go back to what you were talking about, but just for a second, because, you know, Saturn in Aquarius and Le Bon had a really good grasp of that kind of Saturn Aquarius thing, um, the fear of exile from the group. He wrote the study of the popular mind like a hundred years ago, hey? Mm. Um It's so interesting and he had his north node um, in Aquarius and Saturn square to Uranus, um, which is similar to having Saturn in Aquarius. So he really understood this kind of dynamic of crowds and how, you know, it's this necessity that we are a part of one and at the same time need to extract ourselves as one conscious unit from it. But, yeah, I just also just want to go back to honour that, you know, like what you were talking about, the difficult situations that people have been put in in terms of the vaccine issue and people are having um, serious, serious health consequences Mm. as a result of having been forced by governments and um, organisations that have been lobbied by Big Pharma for too long. It's good to see, though, this kind of backlash that's occurring. Oh, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that is really significant that you've got these high-profile commentators. And that Jupiter-Neptune thing, that disillusionment thing is mm. certainly what it seems to be to me. That's what I see, that there's more and more of that coming forward. There was a story on the project, the New Zealand version of okay. the project, about a young man who had suffered pericarditis and they actually gave it airtime and then discussed it on the panel briefly right they they were very quick to sort of clamp down on it after they went a bit back and forth Mm. on the various issues but it was 
it's interesting. It certainly seems to be coming out, this sense of disillusionment. And, you know, as you saw in the Facebook comments after old mate's retirement, resignation. Mm. And I the just, footy show, like you were saying, it's well, got it's a the huge, highest rating. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, you know, so following it's meaningful a that it's huge audience. And it even went it's, to the US. And you could almost kind of, and, you can almost gauge like a sentiment if like that's the kind of, you know, if you've got this panel of um, football, like this demographic, elite football mm. retirees, mm. you know, and let's say that they're kind of, if you apply their demographic to the broader population and they're all kind of questioning yeah. the safety of the vaccine. Well, it's interesting. It's kind of reasonable to kind of, like extrapolate that across a broader population, which, I mean, that is that is good. That I is think. good. Questioning, that is good. questioning yes. is good. The more we question, the better. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, it's interesting from like my and I'll say our point of view, having been raised by someone who's not or two people really who are not very convinced by governments <laughs> and the <laughs> ostensible like. Um, idea like that they have our best interests at heart mm. and we are more skeptical than that <laughs> so I mean a lot of people aren't raised that way perhaps so they're more willing to comply with government direction in the name of the greater good as a lot of people did and it, it's really you know intense to watch that sort of coming unstuck um but yeah, I think it's good and it's necessary and it's healthy for that to happen and I really hope it continues and I think that it will. Um, of course, um, media will do their utmost to keep the lid on it because they've been so central in keeping this thing going, the mm. clown show rolling on. That book that I referred to earlier, The Elephant in the Room, Silence and Denial in Everyday mm. Life, the author, he quotes the terms co-denial. Mm. And mutual avoidance yeah. as like elemental yeah. to like... Wow. Oh, I love this work. Yeah. It's so important. And I mean, we've just... He must be very interested in watching... I wonder if he's got any more recent works because it's just such a... Um, it's so pertinent mm. to all of what we've seen coming from pre-COVID you know, as I said, like the safetyism and that whole movement of um, cancel culture and, you know, shutting things down because we don't believe in them and just labelling people fascists mm. because we don't agree. <laughs> like yeah. that kind of thing that's just like very important issues of our time. Mm. Sutton Square, the notes. Mm. Um, just because I talked about how how the nodes themselves are like um to me i don't interpret the south node as bad and the north node as good or vice versa um and there's a lot of like different ways of interpreting the nodes um all of which may be valid um but my particular way of looking at, at it is that the south node is like a comfortable pair of shoes walking a path we know well um, so it has a lot to do with um, our comfortable kinds of tendencies habits 
um, ingrained kind of unconscious ways of being in the world that feel very natural and um, like normal and accepted and difficult to kind of question. They're so like well ingrained in us and there's also a lot of karma bound up in that. Um, that's not to say it's all bad karma. There's plenty of good that comes with the South Node. There are um, gifts and natural abilities that can come to the fore very readily through the south node but we balance it through the north node which is always opposite um and we you know the north node is quite compelling and for that compellingness is also quite dangerous and volatile in Mm. the way that the energy is expressed because it's like you know new shoes and we don't know where we're going and it's how do we navigate that and wear those shoes well and you know of course we're going to make mistakes we're going to get lost we're going to take wrong turns we're going to get blisters we're going to be uncomfortable we're going to feel out of our comfort zone so um and the dynamic between the north and south node um is definitely alive and vibrant for us Mm. when we attune to it and engage with it so it can be a very um kind of vivifying kind of energy to Mm. tap into in our lives and it it certainly comes it's obviously the points at which we find eclipses um in the zodiac so that's one of the reasons why they're quite volatile because it's that kind of new and um unexpected kinds of change and things like that that kind of manifest through them as well as old ghosts like hungry ghosts that can come up too Mm. so um yes it's very interesting and when a planet is square to them it really brings in some friction into the mix of that tension and like really stirs things up a lot and with saturn it's like cold and harsh you know it's like we really have to face realities and so that's why i think about the fear like facing the fear of exile Mm. from our group um as being so healthy now like facing that fear facing the realities that we have exiled ourselves um or that we need to or that we don't need to but whatever not a foregone conclusion Mm. that like exile Mm. it's like the it's the threat of exile right the risk of exile well i think psychological exile is what i'm talking about the sense that we have taken a position and then we wear the consequences of that. And we go alone there. Well, no, not necessarily. Um, but we do have to be willing to go alone there mm. because it's Saturn. It's, yeah. you know, and, and you know, by its nature, Aquarius too is that exile energy and Saturn is the hermit. But as well, paradoxically, you know, Aquarius is all about community and tribe and friends mm. and you know yeah. allies so we do need to be this one individual among the group mm. you know and and i you know to go back to lebon who really got it so he wrote in the introduction to his study of the popular mind the substitution of the unconscious action of crowds for the conscious activity of individuals is one of the principal characteristics of the present age he wrote it like a hundred years ago, but it's like it's so pertinent to now still, you mm. know, and it's so pertinent to Saturn in Aquarius in the sense that we do have to make decisions as individuals to not be driven purely by 
like south node tendencies for example and that urge to, to merge with others right like and that to wants to keep us connected definitely yes safe, yeah, safe. that's right <laughs> safe yeah and um sort of yeah that power and strength in numbers it's very safe with the group isn't it and mm. of course and it's natural and it's healthy to want to remain a part of the group and then in another sense, in order to evolve and stretch and go beyond that comfort zone of what we've known as an individual and as humankind, we do need to go beyond towards, you know, the discomfort of the North Node and self-sufficiency through Taurus. Mm. So it is always, as with life, paradoxical and we do need to bring in, yeah, like solitude of the individual and then the community of the group, you know. Mm. So, but being one, and I think, yeah, Le Bon said it really well, to be a conscious individual in the crowd mm. is where it's at. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of conscious individuals makes up a pretty, even though, you know, by by its nature, the crowd becomes unconscious, but it's it's still, you know, helped by the presence of conscious individuals and we can only ever account for our own consciousness anyway at best <laughs> and even mm. that is like hit and miss so yeah there's lots to lots to explore lots to unpack over the coming weeks as you know saturn it moves towards um, retrograde which happens when um and yeah we go into eclipse season and eclipse season will obviously bring all of this up um as it involves the nodes and uranus and saturn too so um yeah there's lots to explore over coming weeks but i just wanted to make uh, you know give a bit of time to that today even though we really had no time because we were already at an hour but i gave no, like no, an hour good. to at last take one so um <laughs> no yeah it's important yeah no it is important and it's beautiful and i like liz green should i share that little liz green bit because liz green sort of articulates it beautifully so um yeah saturn goes retrograde not till june so that's okay but when saturn does go retrograde it sort of remains engaged with the nodes um through until like september october and then at that point we come to eclipse season again and um so that's the second eclipse season of this year and then Saturn and Uranus will re-engage in their ongoing skirmish conflict that's been going for at least yeah more than a year mm. already. So is ongoing, and it is all about this kind of capacity to engage with conflict and engage with the conflict of being one individual in the group and that exile thing, facing the fear of exile. Because it's not just about whether you, like as you were. It's a good point that you made to not. It's not necessarily to be in exile, like literally. But to go into the feelings of that, which I think, you know, having to take a position forces you to face the fears of, which we've already done in the last year or whatever, of having to pick whether we decide whether we will be vaccinated or not. And for whatever reasons we make, whatever decision we made, and we wear the consequences of that, whether we will comply with mandates, whether we will, you know, do all those things. And we've just all been squeezed so much by conditions beyond our control, circumstances beyond our control. But all of that has been perfect in terms of orchestrating this situation where we get to think about our own personal principles, values, 
identity, mm. whatnot, among a group. And what, you know, what matters more, like the greater good or me as an individual? And you are, you know, accused of being selfish for not being compliant with the vaccine mandates. There's a, a quote I like, um, speaking of being an individual. The smallest minority on earth is the individual. Those who deny individual rights cannot claim to be defenders of minorities. Mm. Yeah, I came across that recently too. Ayn Rand. Oh, is it? Yeah. Very good. So, yeah, I'll just share this little um, few thoughts from Liz Green who wrote the book on Saturn called A New Look at an Old Devil. I like that title. And it's wonderful. You can't really go past it as as far as I'm aware in terms of books about Saturn. Um, so she wrote... The opportunity which is offered by Saturn in Aquarius is not easily utilised without the kind of broad view of human oneness and gradual evolution and unfoldment which marks the truly progressive mind. She goes on to talk about the plan, like the grand plan for humankind. And, um, you know, this to me this time really does do nothing less than give us an opportunity to look at the world, the inner, our inner and outer world, and understand what it requires of us as individuals in terms of the telos was the word that Jung loved. He had Saturn rising in Aquarius um, for humankind. And where are we going and who are we going to let lead us there? Is that telos? <laughs> telos is like purpose. Okay. You know, like the um, – to it's sort of like the idea that there is an end already in mind and we are being pulled there, mm-hmm. um, which is a really interesting idea in terms of like the linear construct mind that we think that – we're not there yet and we're creating it. Oh, yeah. But that may or may not be the case mm. or to some extent is the case or whatever. But like there may be a foregone conclusion, you know, already. It mm. may already be set and we're just getting led there. Mm. Um, anyway, so she goes on to say, it is possible to see the reality and nature of this plan for those who seek long and deeply enough. We have now, with Saturn square the nodes, it, it just provides the perfect conditions for that seeking to understand exactly what it is that we're being called to do now. And I think a lot of people have risen to that challenge and I feel like this, I've said it so many times, like it's the making of us now. This is like the making of us all. Mm. For those of us who are so inclined and so engaged and that's not to say it should look like anything in particular. That's whether you're vaccinated, unvaccinated, you know, left, right, trans, you know, Elon Musk, Julian Assange, like everyone and anyone can engage with this in their own microcosm to a very meaningful extent. Um, so finally, this is my last thing. So, she, yeah, she talks about Saturn in Aquarius as isolating um with like inherent defensiveness and mistrust of others, which is really observable in the world now. Um, obviously, you know, like with the tribalism 
you know, that came about um, as a result of like the vaccine mandates as a prime example and the one that's front of my mind, um, you know, we had to choose a side. Our hands were forced. And then there comes like defensiveness around that and, you know, the right to be an ostrich, the right to stick our heads in the sand about information that goes against that the vaccine is safe and effective, for example. You know, people will defend their right to remain closed with their blinkers on and shuttered only on that view um, because it just evokes so much cognitive dissonance. It's just unbearable to mm. consider that your worldview is wrong. Mm. It's like nightmarish. So, And it so quickly leads down the rabbit hole, as we all know. So, so she says we must... And well, I said we must develop or maintain or access or cultivate a, quote, real sense of commitment to and participation in group life. So just going back to what you were saying about, yes, it's not like a literal exile necessarily, although I do believe there are elements of that, at least psychologically, if not literally. Because, I mean, we are exiles in the sense that we have not been able to attend you know, bars or cinemas or nightclubs. I really miss nightclubs or, you know. You miss nightclubs. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, we are exiles in that sense. But maybe within exile we find community. Com- totally. And so, we've got to be open to that, you know. Mm. like, And, you know, we've had various experiences among the quote-unquote freedom community and you I know yeah see like the cringe you know like so coming to terms with that like so these people are our community now um (laughs) yes you know what I mean so it's it's difficult so we've got to face all of this it's not easy to identify one way or the other and there's you know consequences either way and always no matter what we do there are always consequences and it's not just necessarily we are not promised like some incredibly, you know, happy ending as a result of our having chosen what we believe to be a virtuous position. Like that doesn't mean anything. We just have to do what's right for us, I believe. And that's always like when I say what's right for us, I don't mean like in a selfish, like narcissistic kind of way. I mean like, you know, we have to be true to thine own self, be true. Hmm. Nana said, hey. You got a quote to... Finish with? That was it, I think. Okay. Well, I've got one from Julian Assange. Oh, yay. And you know what? Like, if you enter into your search, Julian Assange quotes, there's a lot. Oh, he's got heaps. He's He's incredibly. Yes, he really is. He really is. He's got a lot of good to say. Not least of which is, yeah, remember I had a page full a few weeks ago? Anyway. Yes, you did. I, um... Yeah, I don't quite know what to pick here. I've just yeah, been scrolling tricky. through, but um, I like this one. Where they couldn't pick holes in our arguments, they would drive horses and carriages through my character. Yeah. Yeah. So we wish him all the best. I don't know. Sending him lots of big <laughs> Good love. Vibes. Good, Good vibes. <laughs> Yeah. I hope he's receiving them in the hell hole where he is. That's a space to watch and we will it definitely watch that is over pe- coming weeks. Yes. 
Yes. Um, and hope that Hillary Clinton isn't allowed into his prison cell. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Zoe. That was three hours, over three hours of recording today. For We're going to end up with just an hour here. <laughs> That's probably better for the listenership. God. We'll be back again um, next week. And maybe, possibly, the next episode will be the... Uh, the election special that we're planning. We'll mm. see how we go. Exciting times ahead. Lots to look forward to. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you very much.